This is Too Busy to Podcast, a show for busy, multi-passionate female entrepreneurs at different stages of their podcasting journey who may be feeling frustrated or overwhelmed doing all the things. I'm your host, Rosemary Callender, podcast editor and podcast manager. I'll be coming to you every week, solo or with a guest, to share actionable tips, simple strategies and useful resources to help you manage and grow your podcast the simple way. We'll be covering the practical stuff like how to start a podcast, what equipment you should use, and how to create a podcast workflow that helps you to stay organized. But also there's the other important stuff like mindset, email marketing, productivity, and storytelling. So open up the notes app on your phone and let's get started. Hey there and welcome to this special series of the podcast where I'll be speaking to female podcasters about their podcasting journey so far, the lessons they've learned, any challenges they've overcome or faced and what advice they would give you, someone starting out in the podcasting space. So let's go meet today's guest. Today I would like to welcome Henriette Denau. Henriette is a strategic business coach working with professional female entrepreneurs in the service-based industry to help them attract more clients continuously. She's also the host of the Entrepreneurial Success Podcast and a public speaker. Her speciality lies in her unique ability to take anything complicated, dissect it and put it back together in such a way that it's easy to understand and implement. And because of this, her clients gain clarity and receive amazing results in the shortest amount of time. Henriette believes that running a business should be fun, encouraging, and led with integrity. This requires your commitment and clarity. And once you're focused, sign up clients more continuously comes naturally and organically. Henriette, hello. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It's great to see you. Thank you so much for having me, Rosemary. I'm really looking forward to being here and sharing great stuff with everybody. Yes, I have been looking forward to our session as well. So to kick off, I'd love it if you could tell us a little bit more about you and your business. Yes. So um, as you've mentioned, thank you so much for the lovely introduction. So I am a strategic business coach and I primarily work with female entrepreneurs in the service-based industry to help them attract more clients. Now, the funny thing is, is I always explain it like this. Imagine you would wake up one day, go to your kitchen and decide, right, today I'm going to put a chicken in the oven. I'll bake a cake. I'll make some pancakes. You know what? I'm going to put a pot of curry on and let's make an apple pie while I'm at it. Well, here's the thing. You wouldn't do that all at the same time in your kitchen, right? But so many women do that in their business. They try and do everything. And at the end of the day, what happens is you end up with a mess, you get overwhelmed, and heavens knows some of the things that you try and do, you don't even get the results from it. So when it comes to running a business and when it comes in particular to getting more clients, it's not about doing everything. It's about taking some of those things off your plate and just focusing on what is really aligned with you and what is that recipe that you want to use over and over again to get the right results. And that's what we're looking for. Clarity, number one, from your point of view, and then having the strategy in place so you can attract more clients. Yes, I can totally relate to that kitchen scenario. 
scenario um, because as a new business owner, new shiny object syndrome or, you know, ideas keep popping up and you kind of just want to get everything done. But as you mentioned, you can't possibly do everything at the same time and do it all fantastically. You kind of need to have a strategy and a plan and take things step by step. So having worked with you myself, I know you believe that strategy plays a very important part in business. Can you tell us a little bit more about the four strategies business owners need? Yes, absolutely. So the reason why we work with strategies in particular is, like I said, is to help you stay focused and also to create that clarity for you. Because if you don't have clarity, how can you verbalize that to your audience and to your potential clients with clarity for them to understand? So the strategies really just form the recipe that I mentioned earlier. The first strategy is your visibility strategy. The visibility strategy is what is it that you're doing to become more visible? And I know as soon as I say visibility, everybody thinks social media, but it isn't just social media. It's like a little pyramid. At the bottom of the pyramid, you've got your website. So your website is the first thing that you create, but so many people go and create a website and then hide behind it. The next step up on that pyramid is social media. So when social media came along, great opportunity for us to connect more with people internationally, um, but also to become more visible. You know, you've got all of the live videos, Instagram live stories, reels, um, Facebook lives, Facebook groups. So that's great. There's so many platforms out there. But what I always say is choose one or two platforms. Don't get overwhelmed by it. The next step up on the pyramid, well, this is where public speaking and getting featured comes in, in play. And this is what people do in particular what you're doing with podcasting and vice versa. So you feature people and that's an opportunity to get placed in front of other audiences. Again, helping you with your visibility. Then another step up, well, that's where you start getting awards. You know, that is where you really show and get classified and recognized as an expert. But so many people find that when it comes to visibility, they've got to do either all of these things or they only concentrate on social media. But look at this pyramid as a whole and choose one or two steps that you can start off with. As you grow, as you get bigger and better, then you obviously start implementing more things because you get people to help you do it, right? I mean, yeah. a solo entrepreneur can't be a solo entrepreneur forever. <laughs> so the visibility strategy is the first strategy. The second strategy is your attraction strategy. This very much relates to the content that you're putting out there. What are you putting out there that attracts your ideal clients to you? It's not just about just, how can I say, vomiting a bunch of stuff out there, hoping something would, you know, relate to somebody. It's about really finding and creating that content in such a way where people get curious, attracted, they want to learn more, and instantly you want to build that connection and that relationship with them. So there's a format and a layout as to how you do that. And you know what? A lot of people struggle to create content, but it is so, so easy. And I mean, you're shaking your head yes. because yes. <laughs> I shared that with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then the third strategy is your relationship strategy. This is how you build the relationship with your audience, with your potential clients. And this is not just about sending out emails and, you know, again, showing up and being more visible. There's really a way of connecting with people instantly and growing a relationship either just through one conversation. And I think this conversation, what I call the conversation to sell, this conversation is really one of the most important conversations you can have in business because that's where you help a potential client to make an educated decision to work with you or not. 
And you can instantly at the same time throughout that conversation, build a relationship with them. So you'll be very surprised. A lot of cold leads, as they call it, they can come to you. If you know the structure of this conversation to sell, you can create an instant relationship with that person, a cold lead, and they can sign up with you at the end of the day if they want to make that educated decision. But it's not about being salesy. It's not about pushing them in a corner. It's about helping them make a decision. So that's your relationship strategy. And then the last strategy, well, this is your transformation strategy. What is that enticing package or service or product that you're offering people? What is that value that you're adding where people look at it and they go, this is a no-brainer, regardless of the price, this is a no-brainer, I can see what I'm going to get. So if you put all of those four strategies together, it literally just forms a circle. Because once you've completed the transformation strategy, those clients who worked with you, they're going to come back, give you great reviews, testimonials. And that, again, is going to enhance your visibility. And then you start the process again. Visibility, attraction, relationship, transformation. That's the recipe. It is so, so simple. We don't need to overcomplicate it for ourselves. Having done your program, I am very familiar (laughs) with what you've just described. And to anyone listening, I would highly recommend that you check out Harriet's client attraction program, where she goes into this a lot more in depth. I have just completed the program myself in August and I learned so much and was able to implement and put certain things in practice. And I know for me, my biggest takeaway was around the sales conversation that you just mentioned. That is usually one of the scariest things for business owners because a lot of us don't have, we've not come from careers or have any experience with sales. We're obviously used to buying stuff, which is, you know, lovely. Um, And we might have had some negative experience with salesmen, like I'm thinking of like car dealerships and that sort of stuff. But I think until I did your program and we did that specific module, I think I shared with you that now I just love having discovery calls booked in and I'm not even... Obviously, you want to get the client, but I'm no longer focused on the client. I'm focused on perfecting my sales conversation because I know there will come a point where I've got it down to a T and getting those clients in is just going to be effortless. So I just love Mm -hmm. how you are able to put those four strategies together. And a bit like myself with podcasting, things don't need to be complicated. You just need to dissect, as you mentioned in your bio, you just need to dissect things or break things down in a way that makes it simple and easy to understand for you. So thank you so much for sharing that. And of course, we would love to know a little bit more about your podcast. So you're three years in, 126 episodes, the new one comes out tomorrow. How did the podcast come about? I'm sure it was part of a a visibility plan, as you've just outlined. But yes, tell us, how did that all come around? Yes. So here's the thing. When I started my business, everybody was talking about blogging, Mm. SEO, get your content out there, create content. And obviously, let's face it, when you start and people talk about creating content, your brain just explodes. (laughs) So for me in particular, I was one of those thinking, okay, if that is what everybody says I need to do, I need to create blogs and I need to get out there and get my blog seen. But it was one of the hardest things for me to do. And I think so many people can relate to this. I was just sitting there in front of a blank screen. And and here's another thing, okay? And this is also a belief that I had. 
You see, English is my second language. Afrikaans is my first language. So for me, sitting and thinking about what I need to write in English was so much harder because now I thought I've got to write in perfect tenses. I've got to make sure that the words are spelled correctly. I've got to make sure that what I'm saying is coming across correctly. So all of those beliefs that I had because English is my second language helped me back from actually going out there and writing blogs. And I tried and I had a go at it. A couple of blogs went out. But very quickly, I realized that I was good at speaking like this. I could have conversations and I always joke and say, if my husband was here, he would completely nod his head and say, <laughs> yep, she speaks a lot. But that is my skill. That is my strength. And I can with clarity actually communicate better with people rather than in written word. So that's how the podcast came about. And I thought rather than me creating content and putting it out there in blog form, why not do a podcast where I can interview other female entrepreneurs, you know, shine the spotlight on them, but at the same time, have great conversations, have a great flow of energy where the audience relate to that and they can see it in two forms because I thought, hey, let's kill two birds with one stone, okay? We record the whole podcast episode on video. So I created my YouTube channel. So the video goes out to YouTube and then the podcast goes out to all the other podcast platforms. And I thought, I'll oh, talk about, you know, um, taking one piece of content and splitting it into multiple, you know, into multiple platforms. And it just took off. And I am now inundated by people who want to come on the podcast, people that I thought like, oh my gosh, you know, I never thought these people would contact me, but they really want to come on the podcast because I think, number one, the fact that I know my skill is to have great conversations, to have great interviews with people. But at the same time, I'm building relationships with my audience, but also spotlighting other entrepreneurs, sharing their skills and their tips to the audience. So I just thought it was a no-brainer. And the podcast took off very slow at the beginning. I will say that it was very inconsistent. But once I realized what it is that I needed to do to have in place, that consistency, it's non-existent. I mean, for me, I have never stopped promoting or, or publishing an episode. It has always been running. Every Thursday, an episode would go out. And that just warms me up because I know my audience is receiving what I said they will. Yeah, consistency is key. So I'm curious, did you start your YouTube channel right at the beginning alongside the podcast or did that come later? That came a couple of episodes later. And I think the particular reason for that is, is I had a, in the beginning, I had solo episodes going out first. So I think I had about, gosh, eight episodes, nine episodes, maybe somewhere along that line. I can't remember the number, but I had a whole bunch of episodes solo. And again, that was a struggle for me because I feel, oh my gosh, it's just me. It's just me. It's just me. And keeping that energy alive as a solo person talking into a microphone, that was quite hard. And then I spoke to somebody uh, who became a dear friend of mine. And she's like, well, you know, we can do it in an interview style. And I thought, oh, that's a great point. And I've seen other people do it. And I was very hesitant in the beginning. And I thought, let's just give it a go. We had a great interview style and put it into a podcast. And that's how the YouTube um, channel started, because I thought, this is gold. You know, people can see our faces. They can see how we interact. So but let's put the video on YouTube and then the audio can just go out on all the other platforms. And that's how it just started off. And I've just been doing it for every single episode. Now, of course, there's some people that I do interview that's like, oh, gosh, I really am not comfortable on video. And that's okay. But I think that has only happened about two or three times. Yeah, I was going to say, I've not um, come across. No. 
Okay. So people are happy with it. People are happy with it. And also it's a great way for them to then refer to a video mm -hmm. if they want to get interviewed um, by other podcasters or other shows. And they can say, well, I've done a video with, with Henriette on the Entrepreneurial Success Podcast. Here's the link. So people can then also see how they interact on video, which is really important for them. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. So in terms of, so maybe eight, nine episodes in, you moved over to YouTube. What was that sort of, not pivot, but the addition to doing video? What was that like? Did you find it to be a lot of additional work? Just kind of thinking about people who might want to start their podcasting journey doing both. What sort of advice or what was your experience with that? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I use Zoom. Um, in order to do the recording. So that's quite easy. You know, um, you get either the audio and or the video that then gets recorded for you. So you have both files available. But what I did is I thought I'm not going to edit to, you know, an, an audio and a video. So I've got a quick and easy program that I used and I paid for it. And I thought, you know, I'm going to edit the video in there. And then I'm just going to subtract the audio and then create an audio file. So you do one piece of editing, but you save it in two different formats. So that was quite easy for me. Um, however, as we all know, time goes by, you start getting busier, the business starts growing. And I started struggling to find the time in order to do the editing. I mean, I was so well prepared at one point. I remember in particular um, last year, beginning of this year, I had easily six months of episodes edited and scheduled to be published. And then I hit an obstacle at the beginning of this year or mid time this year where I was just so on the back foot and I thought, oh my gosh, you know, an episode's got to be published tomorrow. I haven't edited anything. And then you're scrambling around and rushing. And I was like, okay, I do not want to be in this place. You know, this is where all the signs went off. And I was like, I need to find somebody to help me. And who came my way? <laughs> Lovely Rosemary. <laughs> Yes. But this indeed. is this is this is a point. I mean, everything was easy in the beginning because I had the time to do the editing. But then as you grow and as things move on in your business, there's gonna come a point where you go like something's gonna give. Either I stop the podcast, which was a no-go, or I have to find somebody to help me. And it just happened that you came along and I thought, I've got to do this now. I've got to bite the bullet and get somebody to help me with the podcasts. Yeah. And it's been a saving grace, I will say it, <laughs> because it's one of those things almost I don't have to think about anymore. I still do the recordings. I still do the interviews. And then I can just hand everything over to you and say, here you go. This yeah. is when it's going to be published. And I know you're going to take care of it, which is amazing for me because now I can concentrate and use the time on my, with my clients and my programs. Yeah, definitely. That's really, really helpful. I think it's fantastic. Actually, it's mind blowing, not fantastic. It's mind blowing that you had, I think you said six months edited and scheduled. How did you get to that point? Like what sort of workflow or what sort of batching program did you kind of have? Because that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So in particular, let me use last year as an example. So last year, uh, February, March, I used two months to just do recordings, just do interviews. Um, so I basically just went and I did anything from going to Pinterest and, you know, going into the tribes there on Tailwind and reaching out to people that I know and asking them to, to you know, connect me with people that they know that want to come on the podcast. So I literally just went out in order to talk about 
coming onto my podcast. And hey, if somebody says, I'm looking for people to come on my podcast, if you would hear it, you would be like, yes, please, I'm interested. It's become quite a thing now where people really just want to grab onto that opportunity. So within two months, I had enough interviews to last me up six to eight months. And then what I did is with all of those interviews, I kind of, you know, ordered them as to what order I wanted to have them in. And then I just literally used an hour every single day, I think for about a good three weeks. And I just did editing, scheduling, editing, scheduling, editing, scheduling. And that was quite tough. And I think I didn't make the right decision there because an hour every morning is quite, you know, taking a lot of energy and brain power. (laughs) But then three, four weeks later, I didn't have to think about publishing podcast episodes for six months. It's only when I got to the end of last year, I was like, oh gosh, okay. Um, People, I'm ready again. I'm doing interviews. (laughs) Anybody interested? And I started the process again. But like I said, that kind of rolled onto a point where I felt, okay, I don't have an hour every morning anymore to do the editing. I needed help because my calendar got booked up with clients, which is great for the business. But equally, you know, I want to keep the podcast going. I didn't want to give that up. Yeah. And as you mentioned, you can only be a solopreneur so far. Of course, I've edited tomorrow's episode, so I won't spill the beans. Although by the time this is released, (laughs) the episode will be out. But I do love what you talked about with your guests in terms of you're going to have to build a team at some point. And I know when I was editing it, I was thinking, when is that moment going to happen for me? Because I think in my mind, I'm thinking I'm just going to be a solopreneur (laughs) for like the rest of my business life. But that's not practical because there's only so many hours in a day. And as you grow, there's more stuff that needs to be done. Um, So yeah, I think it's important for people to know when is the right time to outsource. So that is really, really helpful. For people who might be thinking to go down the same route as you, is there any advice or tip that you might give them? Because a lot of people do the podcasting, but I think there is certainly, and before I worked with you, I certainly thought it, that the video element is going to add, you know, 10 more hours to their schedule. So kind of like you've been doing it for so long now, is there anything for someone who might be considering to, you know, roll out the podcast and gate, so to speak, doing both that they might want to consider? Yeah. So here's the thing. Obviously, when you do a recording like we're doing here right now, I mean, you and I can see each other. This is video, right? So you've got one piece of content, but everywhere these days, you know, editing programs, Zoom, all of those kind of things, they always give you the two options, the audio and the video. So like I said, what I did is I just edited the video because for me, you know, that audio, I'm going to subtract anyway from the video and most programs, you know, allow you to do that. So you just edit once, but you save it in two formats, save it as a, as a wave, the audio, or you save it into a video format. And that's it. I mean, and that doesn't even take that long. It's literally like you're pressing a couple of buttons. So in order to say that it takes extra time, it doesn't. It is just about you knowing that, hey, I'm going to help an audience here who likes to rely on visuals, who likes watching videos, um, who likes to see the interaction, the face expressions, all those kind of things. And I talk a lot with my hands, so they're always all over the place. And then there's the other element for people who prefers audio, prefers the podcast because they go for walks or they go on the tube or they go and travel and they put their headphones in and that's what they prefer. So at least I know that from my point, 
both those options are available for my audience. Yeah. But in relation to it being extra work, I wouldn't think so. Okay. I wouldn't think so. The value that I'm giving in both formats is far more worth than, you know, me clicking an extra few buttons and converting a video and an audio from one interview. Yes, it's just I I think before I started working with you, obviously on our call, you showed me your process. I was genuinely surprised because I'd always heard about, you know, video editing taking X times, like double the time of audio. And then obviously signed up to the same program as you. And it took a bit of learning, but I've, I've mastered it now more or less. I just thought it was really important for people to hear from your perspective that if that is something that they want to do, they don't need to think about X additional hours in their calendar. That if they do it the way you do it, that, you know, you're killing two birds with one stone, so to speak. And as you rightly pointed out, you are giving your audience options because people do consume content in different ways, Mm -hmm. but you're giving them that option. In terms of lessons and challenges... You know, you've been doing it for a while. We can call you a veteran, (laughs) a veteran (laughs) podcaster. What would you say your biggest lesson has been? Um, Gosh, my biggest lesson has been when I learned how to become more consistent. Mm. Um, That, oh gosh, that was a game changer for me. So what brought that on was obviously batching, which we spoke about earlier. So in the beginning, I was very inconsistent. I mean, I had an episode going out, a solo episode, and then a couple of weeks went by and I was like, oh gosh, I've got to get put something out there. And I've got to, and what's happened is that I just, by not staying consistent, I added that pressure to myself and I added that overwhelm to myself going, I'm not getting in contact with my audience, blah, blah, blah. I'm not putting content out there. So that's where I thought, okay, what is this thing people are talking about batching? And I think I heard it the first time from Amy Porterfield, where she spoke about batching. And I was like, this is a game changer. This is amazing. And I thought, this is it. So I literally looked at my calendar and I decided, okay, if I were to spend, let's say the first month just doing interviews, you know, get people to book on my calendar and just book interviews galore. Um, that was amazing because, you know, after a week I had four episodes and I was like, this is a month's worth of episodes. And I've done it in one week taking, you know, into account, I've got to do the editing afterwards, but I told you how I did that. Um, and then I just went the second week and the third week and the fourth week. And I was like a month and I've got all of this content. So then I started doing the editing, etc. And, and I think that helped me then to be feeling more in control and at that point also feeling like I've got content to go at. All I need to do is spend the time to edit and to, to schedule it. And that was amazing. And then I thought, oh, now I don't need to worry for the next month, two months. And then I started scheduling more interviews. Again, two, three months went by. And then again, and then it started getting so busy where I got inundated by people contacting me to be on the podcast that I didn't need to know, go out there and search for people, which is great. But you know, it's always good to have your options open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, batching is, I can't remember where I heard, it was definitely at a summit. And I just thought, batching? What does she mean, batching? And then she explained it. I was like, oh. And I started doing it with my content. So at the end of the month for the new month, I sit down with an A3 piece of paper and then I transfer it over to Trello. And then I realized that you can do it with so many things in business, so many things mm-hmm. in life. And this week's episode, episode 18, is rather popular. It's about batching. 
And I go into exactly that. You don't just have to, as you mentioned, batch your recordings. You can batch editing. You can batch the promotional materials. You can batch writing all the captions for social. You can batch each stage of the podcasting journey, I suppose. Yeah. And then even things in your personal life. So if you've got little ones, you've got kiddies, you can batch the weekday dinners, do it on a Saturday or a Sunday. Like it's just totally game changing, but it's important for people to do what suits their schedule. So anyone listening to us here, I don't want them to think, oh, well, Henriette did that. So I'm going to do that because what works for you doesn't necessarily work for the next person. I'm glad that the listeners are able to hear firsthand from someone who uses batching and thinks it's really, really good. Yeah, I just quickly want to touch up on the science behind batching as Mm. to why it is so important. Because our brain works in such a way where if you concentrate on one task at a time, it is easier for your brain to keep going with that one task. But unfortunately, people love saying, I'm a multitasker. And here's why multitasking is wrong. Because your brain can't keep up with the changes every now and then. If you're doing a, a blog post right now and all of a sudden then you're doing a client call and then you're getting distracted and you're quickly doing a social media post, your brain is all over the place. And by the end of the day, you'll be absolutely exhausted. You think, what yes. is wrong with me? You know, I was busy today, but why am I so exhausted? This is the science behind batching because what you're doing is you're saying to yourself, for an hour, all I'm going to concentrate on is X. And even if I do little bits of X, but at least I'm doing X. Like I said, for an hour, all I did was editing. So I easily got, you know, to edit two, three episodes in an hour. And that was quite okay. But then if I were to do an episode, edit an episode, quickly do a blog post, quickly do an Instagram post, and then this and that, oh my gosh, I would be all over the place. So the science behind it is your brain will stay in the flow if you start and concentrate only on one task. Yes, I am proof of that because as a VA, I was a general VA supporting coaches with lots of different tasks and exactly what you said. So, you know, if I am checking someone's emails and scheduling meetings, that can take me 10, 15 minutes. It's definitely not an hour job. And then you flip to the next thing. Okay, I've got to schedule social media. Again, 20, 30 minutes. It's never an hour. And then, you know, I'm in MailChimp creating a newsletter And it took me a few weeks, if not a couple months, to realize why I was so exhausted. Come 7, 8 p.m., I'm in bed trying to watch TV just to have a bit of of a life. But then I'm zonked out and then I'll sleep right through and wake up tired. So that is definitely, definitely true. And that's part of the reason why I pivoted into podcast management, because with editing, depending on the length of the episode, I could be working on one episode for four hours. It really... It really does depend. So I am in the zone. I'm focused. I'm just doing the editing. And then after that, I'll take a break and I'll do something else. But yes, thank you so much for sharing. I didn't realize it was science. I thought maybe I was just by myself. (laughs) But it is very difficult to switch from one task to do three, four different things in an hour. And I didn't realize it at all. I just thought I was coming down with something. I didn't have enough iron, all this other stuff. And then I just had this bit of an aha moment one evening I was like, right, no, I can't do this. I really can't. It's exhausting. So thank you so, so much for sharing that. 
And on the flip side, would you say you had any challenges that you've had to overcome? Challenges? Yes, definitely. Um, I think for me and, and maybe what a lot of other people are struggling with is the techie side. So the techie side is the one thing that are holding people back from either starting a podcast or starting a business or doing anything online because they think, oh my gosh, I'm not good with tech. And that's the story people tell themselves. And I still get people telling themselves this. Hen, you know, I'm not good at tech. I have never been good at tech. And it's like, well, there's time to start <laughs> to become good at it. So for me, it was more of a challenge. I wanted to prove to myself when I started my business, in particular, when I started my podcast, that I could do this. I can figure out the tech because I was so convinced that I needed to get my podcast out there. Nothing would stand in my way. This is what I wanted to do. This is what I wanted to achieve. And I want to be proud of it. So I needed to figure out the tech. Now, the great thing is there are people like you out there who can do this work for us if we don't have the time or the resources to do that. But at the same time, for anybody who's starting small, who wants to figure out how to do this, oh my gosh, I can tell you, I'm more than happy to tell you how to work techie stuff, you know, because I learned how to do it the hard way. But I'm so glad I did because now you can ask me anything about creating a website, you know, putting the, the tech on, you know, connecting your RSS feed to your yes. website, to iTunes, all of those things. And, and if I'm saying this, people are going, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what it was either. Okay. I had to learn. And I was determined to figure it out because I was determined to get my podcast out there. So if you're determined to start a business, if you're determined to start a program, um, start your podcast, whatever it is, don't let the techie stuff hold you back. Just go out there and figure it out. There are so many resources to help you. Don't be scared to just, you know, dip your toe in the water and see what's available to you. Starting anything new is scary, but, you know, just jump in. <laughs> just jump in. You'll learn to swim and you'll learn how to figure out the tech. The tech is really not that scary. So thank you. And is there anything you wish you'd known? I know it's some years ago now, but is there anything you wish you'd known before you started out? Yes. To be very honest, uh, my confidence. I wish I had known that I had the right confidence to do it. In the beginning, imposter syndrome, hey, it happens to all of us. Imposter syndrome, can I do this? You know, will people want to listen to me? Um, is anything I'm saying of value to people? Would anybody want to listen to this particular topic? So for me in particular, that hit my confidence very hard, which I think also led to the inconsistency in the beginning, because I wasn't quite sure, am I going out there in the right way in order for people to connect with me? But then I heard something really profound and they said, it's, it's not about the once or the twice showing up. It's about the consistency. And then when I thought, ah, so if I'm just staying consistent, more people will start listening to me, which actually kind of makes sense, you know, but we kind of need somebody to say it sometimes to us. And then the more consistent I became, the more my confidence grew, mm. whereby now I feel I can talk about anything. Okay, don't throw me in the deep water. Don't ask me to talk about finances and, you know, foreign exchange and those kind <laughs> yeah, of things. Something random. But anything within my niche, within business, I feel I can have a good conversation with, with anybody. I don't need to stand back and feel like I, I look at all these other experts and I feel I can't even utter a word to them because what if I sound silly? No. There are women that I've had conversations with who are absolutely pros in business, who are international, you know, um, best-selling authors and speakers and, and entrepreneurs who've met, you know, presidents and things yeah. like that. And I've had these women on my podcast and I felt 
very confident having conversations with them, not feeling intimidated by their expertise. And that was a great game changer for me. And that's something I wish I had in the beginning. But at the same time, I can't wish that because I had to go on that journey in order to discover and grow my confidence in order to take me to where I want, where I am now and where I want to be. And I'm sure you would agree that the more interviews you had, that's where your confidence grew. Absolutely. Now, before we wrap up, I would love it if you could tell our listeners about your free resource guide and of course, where we can find you online and listen to your podcast. Amazing. Thank you. So yeah, so for anybody out there listening, um, Obviously, my niche is client attraction, so I help you to attract more clients continuously. And to help you get started, I've got a free resource guide called The 30 Resources on How to Attract More Clients. And it's just a short little guide that you can download from my website. Very easy to get it there. The website is henriettedanell.com. Um, and you can also find my podcast there on the website, which is the Entrepreneurial Success Podcast. And if you go on iTunes and just um, search for it there, you will easily find it. It's also available on Spotify, uh, Stitcher and Google Podcasts, I think is the other one. So yeah, go and have fun with it and see see how you find it and how you feel about it. Fantastic. I will, of course, ensure that all the links are included in the show notes. So thank you so much, Henriette, for joining me today. I have loved hearing more about your business and your podcasting journey. And of course, we will speak soon. We will do. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Rosemary. Thanks for listening to this episode of Too Busy to Podcast. I know how busy you are and I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to spend with me. If you enjoy this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others post about it on social media and subscribe or follow the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next week, keep calm and podcast. See you then.